Welcome back, everyone, to Saved Podcast Co- of, of Sim. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hit. I mean, and that, that's it for today. Welcome back to Saved Podcast, a podcast where we capture conversations over coffee. Today, uh, we're with a returning guest. Mark Oates is with us again. And as always, Amia Muller. Amia Muller is here, too. Um, today we're going to be talking talking with. I am off. I'm way off today. I need I need some serious help. Good thing we have coffee sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. Not Every really. Every time they should sponsor us at this point, honestly. For real, we need to just keep on shouting them out. But Mark, some people call you Matt. Most people do, yeah. With two T's or one? With one T. Did they call you Matt with two T's though? No. That's good. We actually just call him 1T exclusively. Uh, It's the nickname. There are a few people that call me that. I like that. 1T. There's many nicknames that come (laughs) from my name. (laughs) Well, um, starting off with a question, Amia, you want to fire this one off? Yeah, so this is actually a little bit more of a debate-style question. Oh, no. But which do you think would win in a fight, a lion or a Kodiak bear? Oh, bear, 100%. Tell me why. Uh, bears are bigger and tend to be stronger, and out of any mammal, I believe they have the strongest bite force. Aren't they, like, really lazy? Yeah, but I don't think that really matters if they're trying to kill something. Now, what what's uh what distinguishes a Kodiak bear from, like, a grizzly bear? Uh, I'm actually not 100% sure. I know Kodiaks are much bigger, and they are... Uh, further found further up north, hmm. um, like Canada. Yeah, it's also the second largest type of bear, next to polar bear. Yep, but they're both brown. Kind of technically the third because pizzly bears exist. Uh, Didn't and know that. Yeah, it's because uh, polar bears' uh, habitats are melting and disappearing. Mm. They are coming more and more south and mating with grizzly bears, and they just create this uber aggressive tank of a bear that will just attack people for no reason that's insane how aren't polar bears only in antarctica no they are in the arctic which is north (laughs) yes so they're in canada sense i'm pretty sure there are polar bears in like northern northern alaska i'm not a hundred percent sure on that but i know there are some in canada any of our uh, Alaska listeners, if you can verify. Yeah. If we have any, probably not. Um, so, why do you know so much about animals, Matt? Uh, short story, or short version of it is I've just been interested in animals and nature my entire life. Mm. Uh, it came from, so when I was growing up, my grandma watched me a lot of time when I was like really little. And I wasn't allowed to watch like things like Cartoon Network and stupid idiot cartoons so i watched the animal planet and specifically the two big shows were crocodile hunter steve Irwin, and there's another show called the jeff corwin experience uh sounds awesome yeah he was my favorite everyone else likes steve Irwin more but he was more broad in what he would find and he'd also just go somewhere and find things Mm. uh i remember there was one where he went to like the middle of the outback in Australia, and then he got bit by an eastern taipan, which oh. is the most venomous snake in the world. And uh, like still he, today, yeah. And he wow. was like, 
This could be my last episode, guys. I have about 20 minutes to get to the hospital. <laughs> mm. That's crazy. So would you uh, favor mammals over reptiles or the other way? Uh, I don't know. Like, grizzly bears are my favorite animal, uh, but I also just like everything. Like, I have a favorite type of any animal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. True. But um, talking with you over time, you would rather work with reptiles, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think they are uh, more interesting. Uh, and then I think, like, the, I don't know how to word it other than just the uh, diversity in reptiles hmm. and the amount, like, how beautiful they are. They are just like, yeah. I don't think there's ever been a reptile that I've seen. I'm like, that's gross or whatever. Like, now, they're a all lot of so people beautiful. would disagree with you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah especially when it comes to tarantulas. Tarantulas aren't a reptile. <gasps> it's an ar Sorry. arachnid. It is an arachnid. And tarantulas are also beautiful. What's your favorite arachnid? Uh, probably a tarantula, specifically a sapphire goody tarantula. Ew. Is that the one you're buying? No. Uh, I haven't decided which one I'm buying yet, but it's either going to be a purple pink toe or Joe and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like this Amazonian curly hair and it's like blues and greens and has some reds in there. It's That's really cool gross. looking. They're are so both cool. of them venomous? Yeah, all tarantulas are venomous. Oh, that's nice. You can't buy them, like, post-venom? Uh, no, if you take the venom... Well, the only way to get rid of their venom would be taking out their fangs, and that would kill them, because they need those to eat. Dang it. What about just getting rid of the glands? Uh, it's a tarantula. They're very small. <laughs> that's a good point. I should specialize in removing <laughs> should, tarantula glands. I'll make millions, dude. Start a They're also not super venomous. There is one type of tarantula that is, uh, it's called uh, like a significant venom. Hmm. Uh, and that's any species that has the word baboon in it. So the most famous is the orange baboon tarantula or the hmm. OBT. Uh, which, OBT. Yeah. Also means orange bitey thing. Really? That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> We had one at work, and it was a nightmare to deal with. So where do you work for people who don't know? I work at Pet Supplies Plus. I'm in charge of taking care of the critters there and daily upkeep, cleaning them, stuff like that. Something that's cool that I don't think the average person knows about is if you work at Pet Supplies Plus, you can get certified, work on certifications for mm -hmm. um, specifically reptiles. Right? Yeah. And it, so, it's yeah, for like... A certification of handling uh, a bunch of different things. Like, they have, I think, seven total. I have three of them right now. Um, it's been a while since I've worked on any of the other ones, but I got the one really hard one out of the way, which is snakes, and I got two of the easy ones out of the way, which is amphibians, specifically frogs, and spiders and scorpions. That's cool. What do those certifications allow you to do? Uh, they can help me find jobs in the future and stuff like that. And it's also just like if I'm in a circumstance where for whatever reason there's like a copperhead chilling in somewhere, it's mm -hmm. like I've been trained to be able to go and get it and retrieve it. Mm -hmm. so. It's cool. It's very cool. Um, now, I know people... Uh, who listen to the podcast, probably listened to the previous two about Johnny and Friends. And you just got back a couple weeks ago from Johnny Friends along with Mia. 
and you guys are going next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, which will have already happened. Yeah, by the time this comes I think out. when this comes oh, yeah. out, it'll. So you've gone. Last I just week. <laughs> I just got back. It's <laughs> the second time. Yeah. Um. So I can't tell you anything about it though. <laughs> week two. <laughs> going into, um, the first week, which you talked about a little bit, you didn't want to go, mm-hmm. and um, talk about like why you didn't want to go, and let's see, how can I phrase this? I guess before we jump into that, let's go back to where you're from, Matt. Uh, I was born in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and I was raised in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. <laughs> and you live there, or you went to um, Cuyahoga Falls schools up until uh, my junior year of high school. So do you like falls? Uh I don't know. I think I loved it because of the area that I lived in. Mm. Uh, Like a lot of my lifelong friends uh, Mm -hmm. grew up right around the road or across the street from me, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think that's probably the only reason that I liked it because I'm not naturally someone who really likes anything Mm -hmm. or cares. (laughs) (laughs) Um especially when i was like a teenager like i probably would have hated it then yeah but yeah and so what was your family situation like uh my parents are not together they got divorced when i was four or five something like that um it's actually my first memory (laughs) is the day my parents got divorced yeah um when i was super young we lived in a house on portage trail and we had like a TV set up in the basement. And before my bedtime every night, I would like pick one of my parents to come watch TV with me. Mm. Uh, and then we'd watch TV for a little bit and then I'd go to bed. Uh, and then so I went to do that one day and I went ran upstairs and my dad was crying. And I was like, this is weird. And my dad said, hey, I won't see you for a while. And then he left. Mm. Holy shit. Yep. <laughs> Damn. So... That was when you were five. I mean, that must have been... I mean, right now, clearly, you just like laughed at it. Just like, yeah. that was crazy. But yeah, it was wild. How did it affect you as a kid? Um, I, I don't really know other than... And something I still struggle with to a much lesser degree is like growing up because of that... Uh, I have, like, a huge, I guess, just separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. It makes me sound like I'm a dog, but, (laughs) uh, like, I don't handle change in the way of, like, I'll use Jarrett for an example. He's Mm -hmm. my best friend. Uh, When we used to live together, and then when he moved to go lead another apartment, that was really hard. And then when we split home churches, it's like, I'm okay with splits and stuff like that, but I need somebody there and then if i'm taken away from them it's just like okay i'll never see you again Mm. uh like friendship over and that sucks like Mm. i uh i care a lot about my friends so (laughs) i try and not lose them as much as i can Mm. yeah and then also i also think another 
thing is for a long time I had just like a super big distrust of any man. Uh, like when I was a kid, like any male teacher I wouldn't talk to. I had a male guidance counselor in elementary school and they had to like bring in a guidance counselor from another school that was a woman. So I would like talk to her mm. and stuff like that. You said that, um, like, when we were talking about the animals, that you used to watch, what is it called? The Jeff Corwin experience? Whatever, yeah. You used to watch TV with your grandma and spend a lot of time with her. Was she really influential in your growing up? Oh, yeah. Uh, So once my parents got divorced, my mom worked all the time. And so I was over at my grandma's and my grandpa's uh, all the time. And uh, they are probably still to this day the best people I've ever known. Uh-huh. Uh, they are my first introduction to God yeah. um, and stuff like that. And then when I did get saved way down the line of like, they gave me like Bibles and uh, my grandpa used to teach a, a high school group in his church. And so he was like talking to me all the time about it and stuff like wow. that. Uh and then, yeah, from my grandma, I got my love of animals and stuff like that. And mm. then my grandpa uh, would hike every day, and I would go with him. And that's where I got, like, I like my love for hiking and love for being out in nature and yeah. not just watching it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. How do you, uh, so I, I believe I have the same kind of separation anxiety as you're describing it. Um and I just want to know how do you deal with it? So in the example you brought up with Jarrett, where being best friends with Jarrett and like spending years upon years together, and then like he moves not too far away, you know, yeah. Whitehall, and but like you know, joins a different group and different home church, and so you're not with each other all the time. How do you deal with that? How did I, or how do I now, or both? Mm. Um, I guess both. Um, then it was, uh, okay, see ya. (laughs) I guess, like, friendship over. Uh, with anyone up until Jarrett moved. Like, any of the other moves and stuff around, I'd be like, alright, see ya. And then once Jarrett moved, I was like, alright, I can't, this can't end. Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was just, like, giving up or, uh, just being a pessimist. Um, as I do. Hmm. And then with Jarrett, uh, and through that, I've just kind of become like to an extremely annoying extent. I'm sure is like, I have to initiate everything and Hmm. usually a few times Hmm. (laughs) a week of Hmm. not like, I don't have to hang out with you three times a week, but I'm going to talk to you a few times (laughs) and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, what about, um, did you find yourself kind of cutting people off so you wouldn't get hurt again? Oh yeah. Uh, I had a friend who I lived with for four years and he left ministry and, uh, he was one of my best friends. And when he left, I was like, that was like my, the sixth time probably I've experienced a close friend leave ministry Mm. uh and i was just so tired of that hurt and i was like i'm done i was like i'm not gonna put anything into any relationships anymore 
uh, like I'm tired of just the hurt of knowing that someone is going to leave eventually mm-hmm. um, and just like throw all like our entire relationship away because like especially yeah. with leaving ministry like you guys both know of like 99% of the time when someone leaves ministry it's like alright entire friendship like out the window mm. uh, maybe we'll wish each other a happy birthday once a year but other than that yeah yeah so it's interesting that you're describing like you being a bad friend in the sense of like when people were sort of like object permanence, like when they weren't there, you were like, okay, goodbye. But I feel like what I've seen from you is that you like what you're also describing with Jarrett is that you tend to be really loyal and it's like the people that are your people, you will like fight to the death for them. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic there of like, it's almost like the separation anxiety kind of thing has its like positives in that way. So how do you see that in your life? Like the positives to that? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest one is in, I think all of my like close friendships other than probably Cody Minnick, uh, I'm the initiator, um, which I don't mind at all. Uh, it's just like one of the things that I'm good at and I'm, it's either like, I'm, I don't know what it is, like some weird eternal internal alarm where it's like, oh, I haven't seen Theo or hung out with Theo in three weeks. Like, I have to go grab a beer with him. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that of just like, I'm pretty good at initiating and stuff like that. And then I think once the hangout is actually going, I'm pretty good at getting straight to like, deep conversation because I don't want to bullshit and talk about dumb things forever. Like bears. (laughs) Like bears. (laughs) Bears are awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's just interesting that you have like the dual things. Yeah. Characteristics. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree that is interesting. But um, I'm glad that you're an initiator. Um, Especially with me. And because I suck at initiating, <laughs> I'm more so just like I am flying by whatever's like right in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's what I focus on. And so like I need people to come in and be like, hey, let's hang out. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, you exist. <laughs> it's, it's a awful part about being a narcissist and a sanguine at the same time. Um, I want to go back to uh, your dad. Okay. Um, when... Your dad said when you're five and they just got divorced or figuring that out, he said, I won't see you for a while. Um, well, why was that the case and why did he say that? Because divorce doesn't mean like I'm going away forever. Um, so he, uh, basically, uh, found out where my mom found out that he was doing some drugs Mm. And uh, my mom was like, you're not going to have that around my kid. I want a divorce. Mm. And I was like... And then, so I think originally the I'm not going to see you for a while thing... It's one of two things. And honestly, I'm not 100% sure. It was either a rehab thing, which is what my dad would tell me now. Or, uh, much like myself, and I get it from my dad. My dad is very dramatic Mm. of... um, And so it was, like, maybe trying to make it more of a moment 
or something, if that makes sense. I don't know. No, how I, I totally it. get that. It's just like I'm gonna make this sound like terrible. Yeah. Like paint this the worst possible way. Yeah. I like I don't know your family, of course, but immediately I thought of like maybe your mom was just like, I'm keeping you away. Mm-hmm. Like you're not allowed to come near Matt again if you're on drugs, kind of. Thing. Yeah, I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure. I know why the divorce happened, and then mm-hmm. other than that, I had no clue. So since that day, um, did you end up seeing your dad? Like, um, like soon after that, or? Uh, I didn't see him after that for a few years, hmm. uh, and then. I don't know. I don't know the exact timeline of it, but at some point he came back and he was clean, uh, which was dope. Uh, and so it was like the normal, like every other weekend stuff like that. Um, but I still to this day don't have a good relationship with him. Uh, I don't know. Every time I went over there, it felt like I was an outsider and I was just like, I remember vividly, especially in like middle school, early high school, I would go over there and I would sit uh, in the living room where everyone else was watching TV and I would just sit there in silence for a whole weekend and then leave on Sunday. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as I got home to my mom's on Sunday, I'd be like, all right, I'm normal again. Like, let's Mm -hmm. go outside, go find Joe, go find Jared. Yeah. Did your dad live far away? Uh, when I was younger, he lived in Barberton, and oh, then okay. once I got into high school, he moved to the Falls. How old were you when he came back and he was clean? Um, I want to say around 10, maybe a little bit older than 10. Were you resentful of him or also your mom because she was the one that divorced him? Uh, not my mom at all. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, definitely of one of the things that I still struggle with sometimes is like, I'll look at him and be like, Oh, you're the reason that I was the outlier with my friends. Mm. Like Joe, I grew up with Joe and Jared, both their parents are still together. Um, actually like all of my close friends growing up, um, all their parents were still together. And I was like, why can't I have this? Why can't I have a normal family? Um, and so that may, or like created a lot of bitternesses and anger and resentment. Yeah. Hmm. So when did you start uh, hanging out with Joe and Jarrett? Uh, I met Jarrett when I, the day I moved to the house I grew up in, so we lived in the house on Porter's Trail, and then when my parents got divorced, my mom and I moved into this duplex on 7th Street, on the corner of 7th Street and Sackett Ave. Uh, and the day we were moving in, uh, I was helping my mom move something, and then I like across the street, Jarrett and one of his brothers were playing on uh, a truck trailer, like where you put a lawnmower and <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. Uh, they were like running back and forth on it and tipping it over to one side and then running on the other side. And <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks fun. So I went over there and I met Jarrett. And I think it was Logan, his middle brother. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was when I was f- five and Jarrett would have been four. Mm. And then I met Joe probably about a year or two later when I would have been 
six or seven, and he would have been either four or five. That's adorable. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so, when did you uh, guys start coming around to the high school Bible study? Uh, in 2012, I think, late 2012. Um, Joe had gone uh, once or twice before Jarrett and I tagged along. Which Joe actually got this wrong in his episode of your guys' podcast. Oh, I am episode psyched one. about this, please. Because uh, he said, it's not a huge deal by any means. Oh, but it's a major deal. Yeah, it's sure. the worst, and <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> um, but he had said that he had like just straight up invited Jarrett and I, which isn't entirely true. Like He was inviting Jarrett, and I was walking home from school, and I saw them. Because at this point, Jarrett and I hated each other's guts. Oh, um, wow. Nice. Yeah. And then, but I just walked up to them and they were talking about it. And I kind of just invited myself. I was like, hey, that sounds fun. Can I come? And Joe's like, sure. And then Jarrett pulled Joe aside later, apparently that night, and was like, what the fuck? Why are you letting Matt come? (laughs) (laughs) How old were you guys? Uh, I was 13, I think. It was my freshman year of high school. So, however old I was then. When did Jarrett stop liking you? Or the other way around, I guess. Uh, it was a mutual hatred, for sure. Uh, it was somewhere in middle school. Because um, I was a big old bully to people. I was very mean. Uh, especially to Jarrett. And then he was also like chasing popularity. Mm. And stuff like that. So, And I wasn't really a cool kid. Um, and so he was like all my friends who aren't cool have to go away. And I was like, you're fun to pick on and beat up. So I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, and then, yeah, that like resentment came from that. Jared and I have fist fought like six times. Wow. Uh, I'm six and O, oh, <laughs> which is hype. <laughs> well, we'll get Jared on here and yeah, that's we'll get yeah. the other side of the story. Make yeah. sure that's, these are facts, but. I do not doubt this. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Jarrett would probably mollywop me, but <laughs> he's a big guy now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So your bully was this probably just a result of your upbringing and this bitterness kind of just. Um, out? I don't actually know what it came from. Uh, all I know is I got held back when I was in fifth grade. And then shortly into, like, that school year, uh, like, my first school year with the new class, uh, I realized, oh, I'm, like, way bigger and stronger than all of these kids. And uh, I was a violent little lad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it was just, like, fun to pick on people. And I knew no one was going to do anything about it. Uh, and so, yeah, I did that for a while and i don't really know where it came from other than like being mean is fun it seemed like it came from uh i mean bitterness has like a special quality to it Mm -hmm. where it poisons you yeah Yeah. um and so that was probably a result of it and just um just basically all this hatred towards yourself and your situation 
probably just came out in the sense of, well, I'm going to make other people feel how I feel, so it makes me feel better. Yeah. It's usually, I mean, that's the typical bully story is if things aren't, you know, you can basically look at a bully in high school or th- all through grade school and just be like, you probably don't have it good at yeah. home mm-hmm. or something happened to you that was traumatic and uh, this is the result. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate because, like, especially middle school, early high school, I was, like, suicidal and mm. didn't have the best at-home life and stuff like that. So, And so going into um, high school in 2012, meeting those guys, like, right, right as you're coming around, um, what was your home life like then? Um, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so somewhere in between me moving to that house and high school, my mom started dating my stepdad, Rich and, uh, Rich and I did not get along Mm. at all. Um, it was a lot of arguing, a lot of fighting, uh, and stuff like that. So I hated it at my mom's house because again, my mom was always at work, Mm. um, and so she wasn't there a lot of the time. Uh, so home life essentially was like come home, try not to talk to anybody, uh, and either just go straight to sleep and wait till the next school day or come home, play video games, mm. and then sleep. Uh, mm. It was like no schoolwork. I wouldn't really talk to anybody. Mm. Not even to like Joe or Jarrett. Uh, towards the end of middle school, freshman year, high school, Joe was probably my only friend. Hmm. Uh, like Jared and I weren't friends really anymore. And then, uh, yeah, that's true. I, my best friend at the time was this kid named Sam and the summer between, uh, what is it? Eighth grade and ninth grade, ninth grade's freshman year. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that summer, I either stayed the night at Sam's or he stayed the night at my house literally every night of summer. Sam-wise? No. Oh. Uh, and then at the beginning of the school year, we're walking home from school one day, and he goes, hey, I'm moving to California. And I go, Damn. what? <laughs> um, and so like it got to the point where I had one friend, and that was Joe, and Joe is still to this day a super friendly dude mm. and he had a ton of friends in high school and it was like oh i can't hang out with you every day uh because you're hanging out with these other guys and a lot of his friends in high school i didn't really get along with mm. uh and so it'd always just be a weird vibe yeah <laughs> and so when you showed up to um bible study for the first time um what was what was that like uh, it was real weird. Zach Rosler and Ian McCullough were the first people to come up and talk to me, mm. uh, which I was like, you guys are like 20 years older than me at minimum. <laughs> 20 years older. <laughs> yeah, they were pushing That's 30. Funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, why are you guys talking to me? Um, and yeah, I remember just, I think I talked to Zach about like basketball and stuff like that for a little bit. Talked to Ian about music. Um, and that was all my first few betas were, was just go there and meet people and have friends like Mm. Colin Maring and I became pretty close pretty quickly. Um, 
Jerry eventually started giving me rides to and from school like every day. So her and I got close uh, and stuff like that. Hmm. What did you make of all these people like suddenly becoming your friend? Uh, I was, I don't think I really like ever thought about, oh, this is weird that like I have friends now. <laughs> uh, I think I was just too distracted by the fact that they were there and that yeah. I had people to talk to, yeah. um, and stuff like that to the point, like I was going just because I had friends there. Uh, I didn't. I would listen to the teachings, but not really. Uh, but I was like there to talk to my new friends and there to play whatever game was at the end of the teaching. Yeah. Usually like capture the flag or whatever. But mm-hmm. So when did you end up, um, I guess, start listening to the teachings and start getting closer to knowing Jesus? Um, so I came around for, I want to say it was like three months. It wasn't a long time. Um, and just throughout that, it was just like sitting there cause I didn't want to be like disrespectful to people, especially when like my friends were teaching, yeah. like when Zach or Ian were up there teaching or Colin and Fred, uh, when those guys were up there teaching, I was like, I care about these guys. I don't want to be disrespectful. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to sit down and listen, hmm. even though I don't really care. Um, but it had gotten to the point where like, I understood what the gospel was and I had heard it dozens of times at that point from going to CTs and home churches Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, I just didn't really care. I didn't really see the need. And then we had a uh, retreat at some point, and I randomly went to a gas station with Mike Hudak and Chris Burka, two guys who were not in my home church. Mm. Uh, I knew Chris because he lived down the street from me. But I think that was my first time meeting Mike, and he had asked me, as we're sitting in the parking lot of this uh, gas station waiting for Chris, Mike just goes, hey, why aren't you saved yet? <laughs> I was okay. like, I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess I don't really just see the need or anything like that. Uh, and he's like, well, what's keeping you, like, coming around? And I say, well, I have, like, friends now, and mm. it's been awesome, and I love, like, being able to talk to all these people and meet these people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then Mike said, well, you know, if you receive Christ, you get to have these friends forever. And I was mm. like, wow. what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. And then I got saved. <laughs> uh, it was, like, was... two days later, but, yeah. yeah. No, that's sweet. Yeah. Separation anxiety solved right there. Eternal life. I think uh, um, your point there just struck me about you wanted to listen to the people that were teaching, especially the people that were friends to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is a good point for teachers, Mm -hmm. like people who teach Bible studies and stuff like that. If you want people to listen to you, whether they're coming out for the first time, checking out the Bible and stuff like that, or just... Um, people that you've known kind of like here and there for a little bit that are in your same group. Um, it's very important for teachers to get involved and get to know people and yeah, for sure. start those friendships yeah. and have those cool conversations. So when you stand up there, it's like, oh, I know this guy. I know about his life. He cares about my life. I really want to listen to him. And so that that's a huge point that I know I've been convicted about here and there, but it's a good reminder for me yeah. and um, for hopefully for other people to see like that how, how much of an impact that had on you. Yeah. 
or that's what got you to start listening to what these teachings were saying instead of just coming for the fun. Um, so you receiving Christ, did, uh, was this um, a life-changing experience, or was it just, yeah, I, I did it and move on? Uh, I think it was more of the second hmm. of, like, I didn't have this, like, crazy weight lifted off my yeah. shoulders or, like, a beam of light didn't come through my window <laughs> yeah. and shine upon me or <laughs> anything like that. It was like, all right, yep, I did this, and all right, let's go. Mm. Uh, I think all the, like, change and stuff like that has still been happening pretty slowly. Not super slowly. Like, there has been cool things that have happened mm. quickly. But, like, it's still going. Like, But up front, yeah. I don't really think anything changed. I think when things started changing is when uh, Mark Michalik started discipling me. Mm. Uh, and then that's where I think I, like the first few steps of me becoming more compassionate and mm. uh, more just loving towards people and actually caring about what the word says yeah, and stuff like that, rather than it just being like, I'm here because of my friends. Mm. Um, so throughout high school, um, you are also, as you are growing with the Lord and um, you're experiencing what being a Christian is like and uh, having the Lord transform you, um, you're also battling with depression. Yes. And so uh, what was that like? And I know you still struggle with this now, um, but back in high school, so how did this play effect on you? Yeah. Um, so before I started coming around, a few weeks before. Uh, sorry, I just have to add some context here. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, I have depression, and it was mostly stemmed from like shitty home life, didn't really have any friends, didn't really talk to anybody, was terrible at school. Mm. Um, so like getting feelings of like, what do I have to live for? No one cares about me, uh, stuff like that. And then so two weeks before I had started coming around to beta, I had gotten the supplies necessary mm. to do something really stupid, um, aka kill myself. Mm. Um, and I was like getting ready to do it. And I was like, I don't know why, uh, but I was like, I, this doesn't feel right. I shouldn't do it right now. Uh, probably the Lord. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I literally marked a calendar from a, a month from the day that I was going to do it. Mm. And then, like, yeah, two weeks later, Joe or I invited myself to beta, and I didn't kill myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, praise I, God. Yeah, yeah and it, like I accepted Christ, and I wish I genuinely wish so badly that I could say I accepted Christ, and it was boom, not depressed anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the reality of the situation is, it's probably something I'm going to have to deal with my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the Lord has given me. Uh, is ways to combat it. Um, and learning that was a very long road. Uh, I'm still learning it and still learning ways to combat it. Mm. Uh, like I just learned another thing at Johnny and Friends uh, a few weeks ago. But yeah, there were a few times still coming around to ministry, still trying to like devote my life to the Lord, going to discipleship, home church, cell groups, CTs every week, mm. uh, and like filling my life with the Lord. And there were still times where I would get home 
I'd be like, yeah, I still want to kill myself. Mm. Or like almost every morning I wake up and I'm like, damn, like why couldn't have that been the day that God was like, all right, come on up, like mm. stuff like that. Yeah. So it seems like, because um, I've definitely, I mean, I think every high schooler can relate with you at some times where it's just everything is heightened uh, emotionally. Yeah, um, 100%. Not, not to downplay your experience, but um, we all have, like, the sense of in high school where if, you know, home life's not that great, you know, we go out, have a blast, like, at a retreat or something like that, and come back home, and it's just like, oh, now that yeah. was, it's all over, and it's just back to the normal grind. Um, the spiritual high that you just had at home church or whatever it was, um, it's been depleted because you feel like uh, now you just have to wait until that comes back, hopefully. Um, and that's something that I struggle with for a while, too. And I realized that um, I have a problem with just being having that like gratitude and prolonging that spiritual high, which all of that comes with just being in constant communication mm. with the Lord yeah. and diving into my word and doing all that it's just like i would rely on the body of christ and being in the moment yeah. to fill me up instead yeah. of tr- trying to figure out how to fill myself up when times are low mm-hmm. um and so yeah a lot of high schoolers struggle with that we it you know it's a it's a an experience that through maturity we'll learn to do um which we all have here you yeah know, we're learning to prolong that um time with the lord and keep that spiritual high going um, I want to go further into um, right out of high school, um, going into college, college age at least. Um, and so coming up into Identity Project, you moved into the ministry department. I did. And what was that like just getting out of your house? Was uh, So that wasn't the first time I moved out of my house. I lived with Dave and Danielle Kyle hmm. uh, for a year before the ministry departments. But uh, going into the ministry apartments, it was super exciting, first of all. Like, we were the first group where, for some reason, the leaders were like, you know what, these guys can live by themselves in a house together without Mm. anyone that's older. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Um, That's wild. Yeah, looking back. Mel's Kitchen? uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, looking back, uh, or like when it was happening, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like we're going to start a trend. And now I'm like, no one should ever do that again. <laughs> like when Joe and those guys were moving up, I was like, are you guys going to have an older person with you? You need one. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but um, it changed a ton of just like, A, I think the quickest way to get close with people is by living with them and seeing how gross literally and metaphorically uh they are uh is a really good way to get super close but also i don't know how but i think that's one of the biggest things of me and my stepdad like becoming friends Hmm. is just we weren't in each other's hair all the time anymore and Mm -hmm. like he like i moved out and he was able to respect that i was able to stay moved out Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and then looking in of seeing like oh he's actually taking care of my mom and i know if like anyone tried to hurt my mom rich would kill them (laughs) (laughs) um and stuff like that so it was like that mutual respect was being gained but from like a distance Hmm. uh so that like helped a lot 
in terms of the apartment, probably a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was me, Jarrett Maxwell, this dude named Mike and Nate. And like I said, earlier, I don't, I don't know what the leaders were thinking. <laughs> like it was such a nightmare, even after like Pretenyak moved in because, uh, I think it was Kyle was like, someone needs to go <laughs> over there. <laughs> they need help. Yeah. yeah they need some milk. Um, sure. it was rough, man. Like we're all a bunch of idiot kids. Like we don't know how to pay rent. And so like for the first like four months of Mel's kitchen, we were mega late on rent oh, and Lord. stuff like that. Um, but, uh, it was also just like, it was a blast of like getting to know those guys and living with Jarrett and Nate, uh, was really cool. Cause they were two guys that I had known at that point for four years. Yeah. Uh, two guys I was really close to and two guys I was like, all right, let's go do ministry together. Mm. Um, and that was fun and it was a very exciting time. Very cool. And so, um, what was that? That was like at least five, six. This is 2016. We moved in six years ago, on August 24th, 2016. So almost like exactly six years ago. Okay. Um, now without jumping into six years worth of, uh, details here, um, how is the Lord, uh, changed you um in the past six years like you know being out on your own i know a lot has happened yeah but uh what 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 would be some highlights of how the lord's changed your heart from uh, a bully that um kind of just would want to pick fights with himself pick fights with anyone else Mm -hmm. and a very prideful guy to now uh you're still prideful Mm -hmm. but you've been humbled a lot so what, Mm -hmm. what were some of the key things the lord showed you um I think, oh, this is tough. This is a tough one. I think I kind of talked about it earlier is I think the biggest thing, at least from what I have been told, is the Lord has given me like a heart of compassion Mm. uh, to where like, Amia, you were talking about earlier, like I have my circle Mm -hmm. and it's like always growing. Like there will be, more people added every day to like my inner circle that mm. I would literally die for. Mm. Um, and that's not something that I would have been able to say a couple years ago, eight years ago or whatever mm. of looking at anyone other than myself and be like, yeah, I would take a bullet for you or whatever, mm. but there's 20 people right now that I could firmly say, yeah, a hundred percent. And like, the, um, and then, like, also being able to just care about, like, what's going on in other people's lives. Like, important stuff uh, of just, like, one of my close friends' dad just died. And it was, like, we were at Johnny and Friends. And, like, I should have been focused on Johnny and Friends. But in that mm-hmm. moment, I was, like, I can't be here. Like, I need to go be with this guy. I need to go hang out with him make sure he's okay. And that's not something I would have done two years ago. (laughs) Like I wouldn't, I would have cared, but I wouldn't have like been ready to drop everything for it. Um, so I think like the compassion and just like overall, just caring about people has definitely grown, uh, something I'm still working on, but just like overall maturity has gotten better. Not great yet by any means. 
but um like I don't know how to word it other than like I'm like uber aware of how I talk to people and try and make sure it's in a respectable manner of mm. like I'm not going to say some super gross sexual stuff in <laughs> front of the women in our home church and stuff like that which that's never really been the case for me but being able to like talk to guys who do do that in the church or whatever and be like yo man that's not cool yeah or just like being able to con- communicate in that way yeah um has been helpful Sorry, one more thing. I think the biggest thing, and I completely forgot about it, is that I have emotions now. <laughs> um, yeah, this is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I didn't for a long time, other than sad, mm. but I wouldn't show anyone that I was sad. Uh, I was just like stonewalling everyone all the time when they would ask how I'm doing, fine, uh, stuff like that. And it was even like positive emotions. Like, I didn't like to show that I was like super joyful and mm. stuff like that. Mm. Uh, cause in my idiot brain, it was, this is what, like a man is stoic. A man doesn't show their emotion, mm. uh, and stuff like that. And the Lord has shown me no idiot. The <laughs> a man is the opposite. Like a man is going to be vulnerable and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's huge. I, I just want to speak on that because I, I've known you f- since high school. Yeah. Um, and I think what's cool about our relationship is that throughout, you know, the past 10 years, there's just been like times where we would just sit there and have an hour conversation, just like deep conversations over the years. And we would kind of consistently do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting to this point where we're now we're, you know, meeting up together, having discipleship, and that's been really sweet. And uh, I'm very grateful to be in the time where uh, the latter end, uh, <laughs> Uh, where you're not the bully stone wall guy, but I, I get to see, like, I, I've seen you every step of the way and how you've become this vulnerable guy. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a beautiful thing because you used to be just so hardened and um, refused to move, refused to grow, refused to mature. Um, everyone was just an obstacle in Matt's way to just do his own thing. But now you see everyone as just, like, opportunities to love. Yeah. And uh, it's it's mind blowing, and it really encourages me to see how the Lord has used you. Gives me hope, you know, that the Lord can change my life and make me more emotional. Because um, I'm very emotional, like you. We've always been very emotional. Mm-hmm. But the problem is um, how that emotion comes out, and how we can use these the emotion that the Lord has given us to benefit others instead of just keeping that in. And I think, uh, I mean, the world gets the world get, gets confused with men of how men have to be the stonewall kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really just men have to be um, tough and not vulnerable whatsoever. They need to, like, stand out and um, kind of just be a wall where nothing gets in, nothing yeah. comes out. But the Lord's calling us to break all that down and let those emotions show. Uh, whether it's happy, sad, or anything. And I, I've been seeing the Lord transform your life and doing that. And so, um, and I know other people have as well. Like just sitting around uh, just last week, you know, uh, a couple guys were just like, what the hell has happened to Matt? Like, <laughs> I don't know who this That's guy awesome. is. So, yeah. I feel like 
every time I have a new conversation with you, it's like 20 new things have been revealed to you from the Lord and your heart has just been softened like this much more. And it's really, really cool to see that the Lord, you said like for most of your life, he's been changing you really slowly. And I mean, that could still be true. And it's just like in my perspective, but it seems like so much is happening and the Lord is moving so much. And it's really sweet. The past like month has been a whirlwind. Yeah. (laughs) Like especially the past month, it's just been new thing every day almost. But yeah. Um, so to wrap it up here, um, one, uh, people have already listened to the Johnny and friends and how these great moments that have impacted you and you're going back again, um, or will have already gone. Um, so I just want you to highlight, uh, just quickly of the things that have changed since, uh, your first time at Johnny and friends. Okay. Um, I think there, I was talking earlier about how to become more compassionate. Uh, I think that has been added to a lot more in terms of like, I think I talked about this in the Johnny and friends episodes, but I didn't like kids, uh, and stuff like that. Now I do. Mm. Now I want to be able to help these kids specifically with disabilities, um, stuff like that. Um, oh, biggest stuff from it. I know, I know about uh school and education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh go to Kent State University mm-hmm. for special education. Sponsored by Kent State. Sponsored by the Kent State University. <laughs> the. I made that joke. We made that exact yeah, same. Joke I know. I love it every time. <laughs> D- did we? The Kent State. Yeah. That's funny. Um. So that's a big one. As well as just, like, learning. You learn very, very quickly there. This isn't about you, and you're going to have to think nothing of yourself to get through this week. Mm. Uh, And learning that has been really cool. And being able to, like, go into home church hangouts or burn or actual home church or sell or whatever and being like, all right, I know what it's like to not think about me for an entire week. Like this is an hour. Yeah. I can do that. And like, let's learn something about some people. Mm. Uh, and like, let's care about these people. Like they don't need to know about me unless they ask me a question, mm. but. Just going off of what you were saying earlier, Corey, about you were just speaking about high schoolers and how like the emotional highs and lows and whatever, and coming back from a retreat. And it's like, Oh my God, my life is great. And then it's like, just kidding. Real world. But I'm wondering just because it's been, I mean, it has not been that long. It's been like maybe a week and a half or something. something like that, yeah. But do you feel like some of like the magicalness and spiritual high that you were having from Johnny and Friends has like petered out, or it's still like these are lasting things that the Lord has implemented? Um, I think they will be lasting. I definitely will have to like continuously pray mm-hmm. over them. Um, and stuff like that, because I have noticed, like, it's been a lot harder to remember a lot of the cool things yeah. that have happened there, or, like, a lot of the convictions that I came back with, um, like, the day of, when we were talking in the car yeah. and stuff, like, it has been harder to recall that. Uh, I hope, and I've been praying that I don't lose them, and I don't forget about them, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's the the values. Um, the values usually stick with people, like when you come back from a retreat, especially in you know college, we're able to like retain and like you know hold to like these values that we learn or cool things that the Lord teaches us. It's the emotions that wither away, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's really hard for an emotional person mm-hmm. uh, to continue to act and like according to those values that we learn and what the Lord has put on our heart without the emotion. Yeah. It's like how, it's like chugging a Red Bull and then you're just like, yeah, I can do anything. I'll stay up all night and whatever. And this is important. I'm going to make my whole life about this. Then when you start getting that crash, yeah, it's like, uh, well, I don't know about this anymore <laughs> Yeah, because this is hard because I'm not emotionally charged. And that's, uh, that's basically, uh, the distinction between a boy and a man or a girl and a, woman is like this maturity is how can you hold on to these values even if you don't feel good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you do these hard things even though you don't have this emotional energy driving you um and matt i think i've seen you um keep on driving this route and i know it's only been a week and week and a half since you got back from johnny and friends but i'm just talking about the last year of how the lord's changed you and these things he's implementing in your life where you're you're still holding to these values without the emotional excitement attached to it. And so, um, beautiful testimony. It's, it's amazing what the Lord has done with you. Mm-hmm. I know that we could sit here for like four more hours and just like talk about how much of a pain in the ass you used to be <laughs> and how much of a blessing you are now to people. Yeah. Um, but I want to end on one final question. Uh, how has the Lord saved you? If you can put that into a couple sentences. Uh, I mean, he's literally saved my life. Mm. Um, like I was not far off from, uh, ending things Mm. on my own. Um, even if I didn't do that, he has saved me from living a life of just absolute solitude. I think I'll stick with those two. I think those are the two big ones. Uh, like he's given me people that love me and people to love and that he's given me literally a second chance at life um so yeah praise god man thank you for being vulnerable with us because that would have not happened a year ago (laughs) that's so true